Hello. <laughs> I'm going to try to tell you a story without giggling. <laughs> so, I told this story to Ashley the other day. Well, not the whole thing, because I lost my momentum being silly. <laughs> um, I feel ridiculous right now. But I'm going to try to tell a story, and then I'll write it down later. Ashley will hopefully illustrate it, and we'll make a little book, and our baby can read it someday. Maybe some other babies will read it too, if it's good enough <laughs> for the public to see. So, once upon a time, there was a man who lived in Timbuktu, and he just loved shoes. His shoe collection was bigger than any of the women in his tribe, um, just loved them. Had every kind of shoe, had shoes for every occasion. Um, he just, I don't know. He was a weirdo. He really loved shoes. And uh, one day, he was looking through his shoe collection and just, he didn't feel like it was complete. He feel, felt like he needed another shoe. He needed a better pair of shoes than, than any of the pairs that he already had. So, he went out to the shoe store in town. Um, there was only one, because it was a small town there in Timbuktu. And uh, he went to the shoe salesman and he said, I need a better shoe. I need another pair of shoes that just tops the ones that I have now. And uh, the shoe salesman showed him around and said, you know, we have this pair here. It's uh, It's got this feature. It's really, really good for running in. And the guy said, well, you know, I just I have like 20 running shoes already. I really don't need a running shoe. What else you got? So uh, he took him around and said, oh, would you look? Just look at this one. This one is just a gorgeous red leather. And he's like, you know. I do like leather, but red is, is not my color. Just uh, doesn't go with my skin tone, I guess. So he said, "Okay, you know, we'll, we'll keep looking. Let me uh, let me just show you a few more things here, and we'll see. I'm, I'm positive that we will find something for you." So they went and they looked at another one. It uh, it had some stripes on it, and it was really great pattern. The guy said, you know, I really I really like that pattern, but I, I just don't think that sole is going to work for me. That doesn't look very comfortable. I don't think I could walk very far in it. I think all the shoes I've got, maybe not all of them, but a lot of the shoes I've got are, are better than that already. And if I've already got shoes better than that, then why would I want that one? I, I need a, a better shoe. So the shoe salesman took him around, showed him a few more things, and he was just about to give up, and he said, you know, I do have this one pair. It's in the back. I I don't bring it out because it's very expensive, and I uh, I don't want anyone to just steal it. So I can see that you have very discriminating tastes, and uh, that is the best thing I have. If you don't want that, then you obviously don't want anything else in my store. And uh, the shoe salesman was really thinking this is going to be the one I'm going to... I'm going to finally sell this pair of shoes. I don't know why it's been in my inventory all this time anyway. 
I need to get rid of this thing, but this is the guy to come and buy it. So the uh, the man with the big shoe obsession went in the back room with them, and it was under lock and key. Couldn't see through there. It was just a big door with a big lock. And once you got through the big door, there was a big box, and inside of that big box, it was all wrapped up and just delicately you know, placed in there so that no damage would ever come to these shoes. And they were just the most beautiful shoes that you and I had ever seen, probably. But uh, this guy with the shoe obsession, he, he's very picky. And he looked at him and he said, you know, that, that shoe's just not going to do it. I like the blue. I like the leather. I even like the laces. I mean, it's one of the best pairs of shoes I've ever seen and it might be even better than all the shoes I already have really honestly but it just it's not good enough I'm, I'm looking for a better shoe than that and the shoe salesman was a little bit dejected and a little sad there but uh, he said you know you have inspired me today I want to just do better and exceed and excel uh, just do it better than I have ever done before. I need to make a new shoe that just outshines everything I've ever made here. So uh, I want you to come with me. We're going to go on an expedition. We are going to hunt down a wildebeest. And I am going to make you some shoes out of a wildebeest. And the shoe guy was like, yeah, a wildebeest. Nobody's got wildebeest shoes. And I bet that's... But that's a really good shoe. So he said, okay, I'll come with you, and we will go hunt wildebeest. So the two guys went out um, to the rest of the town. They got some stuff to get ready for that. Obviously, you can't just wrestle a wildebeest with your bare hands. So they went out, and they went to the armory there. They got some long swords. You want to be really far away from a wildebeest when you're trying to kill it. Um... If you get too close to it, it's going to beat you up. So they went out, and they got some really long swords, and they said, well, you know, if, if it happens to get past our sword, we're probably also going to want some shields. So they got some really big shields there, and they just spent a lot of money on this really, really nice um, shields and, and uh, swords there. So they each had one of each, and they said, okay, well, we're ready with that. And uh, they thought, well, what else do we need to to get a wildebeest and they said well maybe we could trap the wildebeest with some kind of rope or something like that and then we wouldn't have to necessarily you know have all that wildness of it being loose and maybe hitting us and attacking us so they said okay let's let's go down to the rope store and we don't have rope stores anymore but in Timbuktu way back then totally had rope stores so they went to the rope store and they looked at some hemp rope they looked at like some jump rope and they're like jump rope we need jump rope. And the guy's like, oh, you know, I just sell that. I'm a rope star. I gotta be thorough here and have every kind of rope. And they said, okay, well, <clears throat> jump rope is not gonna help us with catching a wildebeest. So he said, okay, you know, let me show you the strongest rope we've got. It's really, really strong, really, really light. Um, unfortunately, it's also very, very expensive. And um, the shoe salesman and the shoe guy both said, you know, that's not really a problem. We are on a quest here. 
um, don't worry about the expense because we are going to spend that money and we are going to catch this wildebeest and we are going to make the best pair of shoes ever. So the guy said, okay, I will sell you this rope. And he sold him the best rope he had. Uh, sold him about 100 feet of it, I would think. And uh, they took the rope, they took their swords, they took their shields, and they went out. And uh, they started to walk to the forest. And the shoe guy, uh, the shoe collector, he said, you know, I'm pretty hungry. And I don't think I want to be trying to fight a wildebeest on an empty stomach. So let's go get something to eat before we go. And uh, after we eat, maybe have a little drink, then we'll head on out. So the shoe collector and the shoe salesman, um, they went out and they decided to go get some chicken. And they had fried chicken, because in Timbuktu, fried chicken is the natural, national bird. I know you didn't know that, but I do. Um, so... I mean, in some cultures, you're not supposed to eat the national bird, but in Timbuktu, it's fine to eat fried chicken. So they enjoyed some really good fried chicken. They had some soda on top of that. Not, like, poured on top of it, but um, as well, they had soda. And um, after that meal, they said, oh, uh, my stomach is a little bit full here. Let's just whew, rest on this bench before we go and uh, go into the forest and hunt this wildebeest. So they took a nice little rest on the bench there, and they finally got up, and they said, okay, full of food, a little bit rested, I'm good to go, let's head into the forest. Let's take our swords and our shields and our rope, and let's go out into the forest. And uh, Swords and shields and rope were a normal thing for people to have in Timbuktu there, so nobody who was serving them chicken was particularly concerned that they were so armored. Um, they didn't look real threatening either. The uh, shoe salesman was kind of a scrawny guy, but, you know, he's pretty tough, especially if he thinks he's going to go try to fight a wildebeest. So they start heading into the forest, which is on the north side of town there, and um, they go in search of wildebeests, and they just spend hours out there and they are rustling the leaves and making all kinds of noise and they don't really know what they're doing right off the bat there and they said okay well I haven't seen any wildebeests at all you know it's been hours and it's getting dark and I hear that wildebeests can see in the dark and once it gets dark they'll be able to see us and we won't be able to see them and we don't want that so we need to really just uh, need to get going back home and Let's rest tonight and try it again in the morning. So they both went home to their own separate homes, I guess, and uh, took a nice long sleep, woke up refreshed, had some breakfast, and met up again, headed out into the forest to go hunt wildebeests again. And they had the same issue. They went out there, and they were looking all over, just trying to find where the heck do wildebeests live. That's, that's all I know about them is that they're big and... Their eyes glow in the dark. They can see stuff in the dark, and I don't know anything else. But uh, they were making too much noise again and didn't figure out that you got to be quiet to hunt wildebeest. So uh, they had another day where they went out there and didn't catch anything. And They were so sure that they were going to catch something that day that they didn't bring any food. So when they went out there and uh, came back finally at the end of the night when they had to give up, 
they were just starving. So they went out and uh, had some more chicken. And on top of that chicken, they had bread and potatoes and applesauce. And, uh, applesauce is really rare and hard to get in Timbuktu, um, so it was kind of expensive. But they, you know, they've been spending so much money on all this stuff anyway that that was okay. So uh, they ate, and they went back to bed. Next morning, they got up, they met each other again, and they said, Okay, today we need to go talk to the hunter and ask him just how exactly we go about getting this wildebeest. And the shoe salesman said, you know, maybe we should just have him hunt it for us. And uh, the shoe guy, the shoe collector, he said, you know, we don't want to involve any more people than we have to, really, in this project. I mean, we're about to make the best shoes in the world. We'll probably be famous for it. And if we have to split that three ways instead of two, like, it's it's really going to be just, you know, a pain in the butt. If we're getting rich off of it, then we're going to be less rich because of that guy. And uh, I really think we could just have him teach us how to hunt wildebeest without telling him why we want a wildebeest. So the two of them went together to the hunter, and they said... You know, uh, is there any way you could help us? And the guy at the office said, well, I'm not the hunter. The hunter gets up really, really early in the morning, and he's already gone. You're, you're going to have to wait till he gets back. So the two men, the shoe collector and the shoe salesman, uh, they just kind of had to wait all day until he got back. So they would check in every once in a while and see if he got back, but when he wasn't there and when they were just waiting for him, they'd go spend some time at the pub and they would drink some beer and eat some chicken wings. And uh, they spent the whole night like that, and finally it started getting dark, and the hunter came back and he had a big old rack of lamb. I don't know why he was hunting lamb, but that's what he was hunting. And, uh, you know, maybe he just wanted an easy day that day. Lamb's not too hard to find, or to hunt. So, um... He finally gets back to his place, and his uh, front desk person there says, you know, these two guys have been waiting for you all day. They, they want to learn from you. And the guy said, okay, well, you know, next time they come in, tell them I'm upstairs. I will teach them how to hunt if the price is right. So they came in, finally, and uh, the guy said, hey, the hunter has been back for a while. He's upstairs. If you'd like to discuss with him... Uh, how much you're willing to pay in order to have him teach you how to hunt. He's definitely willing to listen and make a deal with you. So they went upstairs and they said, you know, here's a fair price that we think. Um, we don't want to, you know, offer you something too low and offend you, but this is right where we think that it'd be fair. And the hunter said, you know, it's a it's a great skill that I have here. It's very important to know how to hunt that uh feeds people. That's how you're able to eat those chicken wings all the time. And uh, I really think that my skill is more valuable than that. So I want you to up your price a little bit here. And uh, I'm also going to ask for 10% of whatever animal you go out and hunt. And they said, 10% on the animal? Okay, that's not bad. And secretly, the price that he came up to was actually more where they were comfortable spending, but they were just trying to get 
you know, as low a price as they could. You don't want to overpay him if you don't have to. If he's willing to do it for cheaper, definitely, you know, don't overpay the guy. And they said, okay, we can afford that, and 10% sounds just fine. When can we start learning? And the guy said, okay, well, I need you to be here in the morning, an hour before the sun comes up, and we will go out, and I will teach you how to hunt a wildebeest. So they went back home, went to sleep. Um, it was a little bit late, and they had to get up a little bit early. So they did their best to uh, drink a lot of water so that they would wake up in the middle of the night and know, okay, you know, it's about this time I need to get over there. So the shoe collector got up a little bit before the shoe salesman knocked on his door and said, hey, hey, make sure you're up. we got to go and learn how to hunt today. So the two of them walked over to the hunter's place and they said, hunter, hunter, we are ready for you to teach us. So he said, okay, let me just uh, wash up a little bit here and we'll head out. And they went out. And the hunter didn't have any swords or shield or anything like that. Um, he just had a crossbow. And the two guys there, the shoe collector and the shoe salesman with their swords and their shield, they said, you know, do we need these then? Uh, I, I thought we were really going to need them. And he said, no, those... The hunter said, those are just ridiculous. Those clang together and they make all kinds of noise and the wildebeest just knows that you're coming. So I need you to just leave those here for us, and, uh, you know, you can bring that rope. That rope looks useful. Always good to have if we need to tie it up or anything and drag it along with us. So leave the swords and the shields, and we'll just take the rope with us, and that'll be good enough. So they took the rope with them, put it in their backpack, went out and followed the hunter out to where the wildebeests live, and pause. Okay, so the hunter, the shoe collector, and the shoe um, shoemaker were going out to where the wildebeest live, and the shoemaker and the shoe collector had their rope with them. They had left their sword and shield behind, and the, uh, the hunter had his crossbow. So they were going out to where the wildebeest live, and they went out to this field that... Um, shoe collector and the shoemaker had never been to before. They had never explored out that far. And uh, it's kind of a wide open field. The, uh, the field had a big tree in the middle of it. So the hunter said, all right, we're going to climb up in this tree and we're going to just wait for the wildebeest to come. So they went up there and they used a little bit of the rope to climb the tree, help him out in some harder spots, went up to the top of it and started uh, just sitting quietly, waiting for a wildebeest to come by. And uh, the hunter just had his crossbow in his hand the whole time, and he was just, you know, looking out very quietly, being very observant. And a couple hours later, they still hadn't seen any wildebeest, and uh, the shoe collector said, coming. Are we going to have any wildebeest here? And the hunter didn't say anything. He just like that. Held his finger up. Better remember to talk. Got <laughs> uh, to write this down later. So the, the hunter just held his finger up to his mouth to silence him. And everyone was silent again. And they were silent for a couple more hours. And finally they saw a wildebeest. 
And it was pretty far away, so they waited and waited and waited, hoping it would come close. Uh, finally, the wildebeest decides to walk up close to where they are, and the hunter just shoots him right in the neck. And the wildebeest starts thrashing around, going crazy, going crazy. And um, the hunter says, okay, just wait, guys. He's going to just wear himself out there, and then we'll be able to take him from there. So they wait. It takes about 20 minutes, and the wildebeest just finally gives up. Passes out there. Lost a lot of blood, but still alive. And the hunter jumps out of the tree and runs over to him and takes a little bit of rope, ties his feet together, puts him there, and he says, Okay, guys, I've caught you a wildebeest. Now it's time to take him home, and then we'll cut off my 10%. And uh, then you guys can be on your merry way, and uh, we'll have made a deal there. And they said, Okay, here we go. <laughs> and they all dragged the wildebeest together. They took turns, and they took it all the way back to the hunter's house, they didn't get back till it was pretty dark, so the hunter said, okay, well, you know, you can just leave the wildebeest here, and uh, in the morning come back, I've taken my 10%, you guys can have your 90%, and um, we'll, we'll have a deal there. They said, okay, that sounds good, we will, uh, we'll see you in the morning. So they took the rest of their length of rope that they had, they took their swords and their shields, took them home with them, and they went to sleep, and... Uh, the next morning, they came back. They left their swords and their shields at home since they knew they didn't need them. They brought their rope again just in case. And uh, just as the sun was getting up, they came into the house there, or came to the hunter's house, knocked on the door. And he said, okay, I've got your 90% here. And he handed them a bunch of meat, all nicely wrapped up for them. And uh, they said, okay, well, that's good. Um, thank you for the meat. Uh, we were wondering if you also had the skin. And the hunter said, well, the skin is the 10% that I decided to take. And they said, oh, well, we were hoping to have the skin because we need the skin. And the hunter said, well, what do you need the skin for? You can't eat the skin. And uh, the shoe collector was about to say that it was for his shoes, but the shoe salesman stopped him. And he said, let's be quiet here. Let's, let's not tell him that. The hunter noticed, but wasn't sure why they were being so quiet. And he said, okay, well, if you uh, if you want the skin, then I'll trade you, and I'll, I'll just take all the meat, and you guys can have just the skin, and that should be fine, too. So they decided to trade that way, and the hunter took all the meat, kept it for his family and some friends um, for him to eat later, and the shoe salesman and the shoe collector only had the the skin and that was just fine by them so they took all that home and they started to clean it up and cut it into pieces that they needed to make the shoes so they measured the shoe collector's feet and just compared all that to, for the shoemaker to just make the perfect pair of shoes for him and they finally put it all together, and it was just a very durable shoe that just looked really great, but it was not super comfortable when the shoe collector put it on. He said, you know, this is the most fantastic-looking shoe I've ever had, but I need the inside to uh, 
to be a little bit more comfortable than that so I can walk around for a longer time than that. And uh, the shoemaker said, you know, we've still got plenty of skin. We can make another pair. I think the next pair we'll make, we will have the extra soft skin of uh, maybe a lamb on there. And the guy said, no, no, no. Lambskin, I mean, that's nice. It's very soft. But uh, I need something a little more rare and just a little more exotic to, to really complete this as the most um, outstanding pair of shoes there ever was. And he said, okay, well, what's soft that we could uh, that we could go hunt and have a nice soft fur to put in there? And we couldn't think of anything, so they said, okay, well... Let's just kind of go out to eat and talk about it and uh, just kind of, you know, spend some time thinking about it and see what we come up with. So they went out to get some chicken and some buffalo meat because buffalo is also delicious. And they were just talking up a storm, thinking of ideas of what's soft that's just crazy rare and... uh finally came up with koala bears and they said okay well if we're gonna eat or not eat if we're gonna hunt a koala bear we're uh we're gonna have to go pretty far Timbuktu is is not close to Australia and I have no idea where there's koala bears that isn't Australia so we're gonna have to go to Australia and just get a koala bear and kill it and make it into a shoe or make it into the inside of a shoe so they uh started out making plans on how they were going to get to Australia. And uh, they figured, you know, there's there's a, no way they were going to fly there because planes at that time were not very reliable, most likely to run out of gas and just crash into the ocean, and that was, that was just scary. And uh, there was no train, obviously, no cars to take over there, and they finally decided, well, we're, we're going to need a boat. So uh, to have a boat to go that far, it was going to need to be a little bit big, and they were going to have to put some food in it. So they decided, okay, well, first we've got to build the boat. And then after we build the boat, before we go, we're going to have to find some fruits and some vegetables and some meat and just uh, pack all that up for our trip. We're, we're not going to be able to just, you know, ride a boat over there. That, that's crazy talk. So uh, they decided, well... I don't know where to buy a boat, so we better go and talk to the boat maker and uh, see if he can maybe sell us one or teach us how to build one. And uh, that's what they decided to do. And by that time, it had gotten pretty late, so they went back to sleep again. You gotta sleep on these things, kid. Now, the next morning, they got up and they went over to the boat maker and they said, Boat maker, we need a boat. And it needs to be a big boat that has plenty of room to hold enough food and uh, not get tossed on the waves on our way to Alaska. <laughs> and the uh, the boat maker just laughed at them and said, that is a long journey. Um, I mean, even if you had a boat that could make it out there, do you guys know how to ride a boat that far? Do you know anything about boats? And they said, well, no. Um, could you teach us? And the guy said... Okay, I will I will teach you about boats, and then after you learn about boats, we'll talk about maybe building you a boat. So he took him out to a lake with one of his smaller boats just to get him started. 
And he said, okay, I need you guys to just uh, row us around here for a little while. And you'll get the rhythm of it, and I'll teach you different things as we're going. And um, so, yeah, here's an oar for you, an oar for you. And just paddle me around, and I'm just going to relax in the sun today and enjoy this. So, um, Shoemaker and the Shoe Collector, they started paddling the boat, and it was really difficult at first. And they really didn't know what they were doing, and the water, you know, would kind of splash up over them, and they wouldn't know which way to put the paddle so that they could do it the most efficiently. But with the instruction of the, the boat maker and uh, a little bit of hard work, they started getting a rhythm, and they really started moving along. And they said, okay, well, we've figured out this rowing thing, but uh, it's pretty far to Australia. Do you think we can really row that far? And the boat maker said, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I had no intention for you to row that far. Come back tomorrow, and I'll teach you how to sail. So they came back the next day, and the boat maker took them out on a bigger sailboat. And they, uh, you know, they were lost again. But the boatmaker said, well, this is that part, this is the fore, this is the aft. I don't really know these things, so, you know, we'll pretend that that I know those things. But really, I mean, obviously the boatmaker knew them, but I, I don't know what things he was, he was telling them. But he told them boat stuff. And they were able to learn over that day and a couple other days, because it's harder to learn to sail. They learned to sail. And finally they said, okay, well... I think that uh, the sailing is just probably the best way to to get us out to Australia. This is a lot easier than rowing, for sure. And um, I think this is this is what we'll do. We'll build a sailboat and we'll we'll go out there. And uh, thank you very much. Let's let's uh, let's start learning how to build one. So the boatmaker said, "Okay, let's let's start building one. Uh, we'll build you one." Uh, we'll kind of look at a few plans tomorrow, and we'll we'll see what we want to do. So the next day, they came back to the to the boatmaker. They started looking at some plans, and they said, "Okay, this one looks big enough. Looks uh, nice and sturdy. Like it won't fall over. Uh, won't get tossed by the waves, and have plenty of room for all our food and supplies that we'll need. And you know, we're gonna obviously need some room for the stuff that we're bringing back as well. And uh, they finally." decided okay here's the boat plan that we want to make let's let's get the materials to build that so the uh the boatman said the boatmaker said okay well now you need to go talk to the woodsman and have him cut down these trees for you and they said okay well here's some money for all the lessons on that and uh after we go get that wood we'll be back and we will just uh we will bring you this wood and we'll uh, do all the work to help you build this boat for us. Thank you so much. So they went over to the woodsman, and uh, they said, Hey, woodsman, we need these specific trees, and we need about this much of them. Um, how much would it cost to have you cut those down for us? And the woodsman said, Oh, okay, that, those are easy enough trees to come by. This one's a little rare, but uh, you're going to want that. It'll be really good um, to be put in a boat there, and especially in that part of the boat. So, yeah, I can definitely do that for about this price. And they said, well, that, that sounds fair. We would uh, we'd love to pay you to 
go and get those for us. How long do you think it would take? And he said, well, most of these are pretty close, and I can get them. Um, this one here is going to take a, a little bit of a trip. Um, so that one will be a little bit more. But uh, I'd say about a week, and I'll have all that stuff for you. So they said, okay, you know, about a week sounds fair. If you want to go get those, then we will definitely pay you that amount for that. So the boat maker and the, uh, the woodsman were, you know, getting ready to help them with that. And the shoemaker and the shoe collector just had nothing else to do for that week. So they went home and, you know, went out to get chicken every once in a while. Um, yeah. They spent a whole week just kind of relaxing, just fantasizing about how great these shoes are going to be with their wildebeest outers and their koala skin inners and uh, going to be the most comfortable, most durable shoes in the world. And uh, they were very excited about it, so they spent all kinds of time just waiting and thinking. And it was a, a fun week for them, but they were very happy when it was over and they finally had that wood. So they took the wood to the boat maker and they said, Alright, boat maker, put us to work. We want to, you know, get this thing going and uh, build us a boat. So the boat maker said, Okay, you know, I, I've got some other projects, but I'll, I'll kind of point you guys on what you need to do there and I'll tell you how to use each of these tools. So he was, you know, he said, Okay, I need you to use this plane and level this out and that'll take a little while. So while you're doing that, I'm going to go over here and work on my own project and uh, every once in a while I check on them and they finally had all the pieces ready after a couple weeks there. The boat maker said alright let's start placing them together. So they started nailing them together and putting glue in there and sealing it all up so the water wouldn't come and a few weeks later they finally had a full ready to go sailboat. The only thing they didn't have for that sailboat was the sail so they said okay well you're going to need to go over to the cloth maker there, to the tailor, and uh, have him sew you a nice sail out of this material that, uh, that you'd be able to sail without, you know, the wind tearing it apart or anything happening like that. Try to get it a little bit fireproof. Not that you're going to start any stupid fires or anything like that, but, you know, it's always good to have the strongest, best material you can. So they went over to the tailor, and the shoemaker and the shoe collector said, you know, we, we need a sail for our boat, and we heard that you could make one. And the guy said, okay, well, it'll take me three days, because I've got to order the stuff, and then once I get it in, I've, I've got to sew it all together, and I've got to, you know, just make a high-quality sail that I'm willing to put my name on there, willing to sell to somebody. I mean, my reputation is on the line there. I, I want it to be high-quality. They said, okay, we can we can wait another three days. And um, they finally got a sail, and they put it on their sailboat, and they were ready to go with that sailboat. They just needed to stock it up with all kinds of stuff for their trip. So now the sailboat was ready, they went out, and they started hunting for mushrooms and figs and berries and stuff like that. And uh, they you know, would eat one every once in a while. And one day they, they ate this mushroom that they found and they got really, really sick. And they said, mm, oh, you know, we, <clears throat> we might need to uh, whew, 
consult with someone about what kind of mushrooms we're picking out here because I, I don't think these are the right ones to eat. I, I think these are the poison ones or something. So they they went in town and they they went to the chemist or whoever knows them about uh, about mushrooms. And it just happened to be an old lady, and she said, "You know, I, you can bring these mushrooms to me, and I'll tell you which ones are good and which ones are bad." But uh, my knees are just too sore for me to go out walking and hunt mushrooms with you anymore. But you bring them in, and I'll I'll tell you which ones to eat and which ones to just stay away from. So they said, "Okay, you know that sounds good," and they they would uh, go out on their trips, and while they were getting nuts and berries and stuff like that they would find some mushrooms out there too and they'd bring them to her at the end of the day and she'd take about half of them and say you know these ones you don't want to eat and these ones over here these are these are good to take with you so she would dry them up for them and take a few of them for herself um, that was the deal they had she wasn't just stealing them and um once they had uh, had them dried, she'd also dry their their berries for them, stuff like that. Mm. They had a lot of nice fruit and uh, stuff that would just last them a while on this trip. And they said, "Well, you know, we need to get a little protein, get a little meat to go with us. So we need to maybe hunt another wildebeest before we go." And uh, they decided to go back to the hunter. And the hunter said, "Okay, well, we can go out. We can catch another wildebeest." You guys can have the meat this time. I'll take the skin if you don't need any more skin. Um, or we can just, you know, kind of divide it half and half. I'll take half the skin. You guys take half the skin, and I'll take half the meat, and you take half the meat. And they said, you know, uh, we might end up needing some of this skin. So let's let's do half of it, half and half, and we'll just split the thing right down the middle. So they got up early another day, and they went out, and they hunted a wildebeest. They, uh... They caught one a lot faster this time because everyone knew to be really quiet. Um, didn't have the shoemaker and the shoe collector making noise on them that time. So they went home and divided them up. Uh, preserved a lot of that meat for the trip. The next morning they got up early, right before the sun, and they headed out to Australia on their boat with all their ingredients in there. And um, Since they were going... To a faraway place that they'd never been to, they they took their rope and their shields and their swords with them too, um, just in case you never know what's what's going to happen there. And they said, "Okay, we're on our way." Um, they went out there for about an hour, and they said, "You know, I don't know the way to Australia." So they found their way back home. Took them a little bit. Took them about two hours. So <laughs> they were a little bit annoyed. But they said, you know, we gotta, we gotta go to the map maker. We gotta go to the cartographer, and uh, we gotta, gotta find a map and figure out how to get to Australia. So they went to the map maker, and he said, you know, I can give you a map of the land and the water, but uh, if you're not seeing any land to contrast with the water, you're gonna just be lost. You're, you're really gonna need um, like a star map on top of that. So you're gonna have to go talk to the astronomer. So they said, okay, well, you know, let me let us buy these maps first of Australia and other lands and uh, just have those for when we get there, and then we'll go talk to the astronomer after we're done here. 
So they paid for their maps and they went out to find the astronomer and it was still daytime and uh, the astronomer, once they got to his house, he was sleeping and he said, I really, this is the time of the day that I, that I sleep because I'm an astronomer and uh, I like to stay up at night and uh, look at the stars. So they said, okay, well, sorry to bother you so early. We'll, we'll come back uh, sometime in the night here. And maybe you can teach us a little bit about the stars and maybe sell us, like, a, a little map of all the constellations and stuff like that. He said, that sounds fantastic, gentlemen. And uh, the astronomer went back to sleep, and they went back to their uh, their houses and waited a little bit till it was dark out and once it got dark out they, they went back to see the astronomer and he said oh man I'm feeling much better than when I was earlier uh, when you guys came so thank you for waiting um, let me just show you these beautiful stars we've got out tonight and kinda give you an idea of um, just where they all are in relationship to each other and you should be able to find your way by then and he said, awesome, that is, that is really going to help us out when we're out on the sea. And he said, oh, the sea? That sounds beautiful. You know what? I will, I will help you for free here. I will tell you everything you need to know if you guys just, uh, just let me come with you. And the shoemaker and the uh, shoe collector, they talk to each other and they're like, I mean, this is the same deal we had earlier. We, we don't want to involve too many people in the shoe project. This is going to be the best shoe ever. And we don't want to, you know, be cutting our, our profits with another person. But, uh, I mean, we don't want to get lost either and just be out on the sea forever. And this guy seems pretty important to us. Um, but we don't necessarily need to cut him in on our profits with that. that. Uh, we just, we're giving him a free vacation, how about? Um, so they decided, okay, yeah, we can, we've got room, we've got enough food, we could probably fit one more person there, let's let's take the astronomer with us and he can help us to, to find our way. You know, astronomer, you know, said, great, great. Um, I'm ready to leave tonight if you guys want, but, um, you know, just let me know when you're ready to go. And the shoemaker and the shoe collector said, well, I mean, we've been up all morning and we spent three hours out there just <laughs> before we realized we had to come back and we're we're pretty tired, so we're going to have to kind of, you know, sleep a little bit before we head out again. And the astronomer said, okay, well, um, you know, it's easiest for us to, to find our way when it's dark out and we have stars and I know where we're going. So maybe if you want to try to stay up for a little bit here and then uh, go to sleep during the day with me, then we can get up at the same time and go out there um, start heading out. So the guy said, okay, you know, we'll... Uh, We'll hang out with you tonight, and you can teach us some stuff about the stars, and hang out, and talk, and get to know each other, and then we'll go home during the day, and sleep, and come back uh, tomorrow night, and head on out, and go to Australia. So that's just what they did. They they went to sleep after hanging out for hours and hours, and once the sun came back up, they said, okay, you know, let's, let's go back to our houses, and go to sleep, and... They were super, super tired by then, but uh, they made it, made it all the way home and just crashed in their beds and 
when they woke up again, it was it was almost nighttime, so they had a little snack, um, met up with each other, and uh, walked over to the astronomer's place, and they said, "Hey, astronomer, we're uh, we're ready to go." And the astronomer said, "Okay, you know, I, I uh, I'm ready to go too. I've, I've got some of my own food packed, so I'm not like a big burden on you guys or anything like that." And, uh, the three of them got in the boat, the astronomer, the shoe collector, and the shoemaker, and they started heading out to Australia. And I will tell you more of this story later.